Welcome to the Calvary Assembly Podcast with weekly messages from Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. doing a series called a battle for our minds because we've said that the majority of the spiritual battles we face are spiritual but a lot of them are fought where in our brains right i've been talking about identifying lies because paul talked about tearing down strongholds in our minds lies build up sometimes and they're strongholds in our brains and they're things that we believe in because we believe when we start acting on them and we've talked about uh, changing the input, what goes into our brains. We've talked about all these different things. If you want to go on the app, you can watch them there, also on our Facebook and our YouTube. Uh, so today, we're going to conclude by talking about something that you're probably thinking, why are you talking about this when we're talking about our minds? And I'll get there in a second. We're going to talk about rest. How many of you have ever been tired, and because you were tired, you are more susceptible to temptation? How many of you have been tired, and you're more apt to fight with your spouse? You ever make bad decisions when you're tired? Yeah. Rest is a big, big deal. There was a story about two employees that were walking out of um, the office on their lunch break. Their boss was walking behind them. They were just worn out. And they noticed a little shiny thing next to a dumpster. One of them went over and it was a lamp. And so he rubbed it and this genie pops out. It's a story. Follow me. So this genie pops out. I said, hey, you get three wishes, but you can't wish for more wishes because that's lame. So I said, all right, well. First guy said, I'm really tired. I wish I was on a beach in Hawaii sipping lemonade under an umbrella. And poof, he was gone. And so the, the lamp drops. So the girl picks it up and she rubs it and says, hey, I wish I was in Jamaica uh, riding a wave runner in the ocean. And poof, she was gone. <laughs> so the boss picks it up and rubs it and says, I want both of those guys back right after lunch. Um, <laughs> so sometimes we're just tired, right? We need a break. Well, if you have your Bibles, we're going to open them to Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 8. And these are what we call the Ten Commandments. As the people of Israel came out of slavery, God met them on a mountain, and he gave these commandments. And these things were God's design for people to live a life that follows him. And these commandments are important because I know we live in grace now. I know we're not under the law anymore. But the commandments are important because they show us God's priorities. They show us what God says is important if we want to live a life that's pleasing to him, if we want to live a life that's balanced. And so in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 8, he gives this command. He says this, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. The Sabbath is a special day set aside to worship. And he said, you have six days on uh, each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters. Kids are like, woohoo, right? Your male and female servants, your livestock, and all foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he what? Rested. Say that again. He rested, right? That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. So God set this pattern. He said, so on six days you work, and on the seventh day you do what? Rest. Now, the Pharisees took this to a whole other level. They said you couldn't walk a certain amount of steps on the day. You couldn't light a fire in your house on that day. You couldn't do these things. But, guys, the principle remains. We are built 
to work, but we're also built to rest. It's important to take time to rejuvenate. And here's why we're talking about this. We've been talking about the battle in our minds. We've been talking about finding these lies that we've believed. Some of us have lived our whole lives believing no one could ever love us. Some of us have lived our whole lives thinking we're never going to be good enough. Some of us have lived our lives thinking God could never forgive us for what we've done. Some of us have lived our entire lives thinking nobody in the church will ever love me. I don't belong. I can't do this or that. And these are all what? Lies. And they're strongholds. Paul called them strongholds because they're these positions that are built up in our brains and we can't get past them until we start tearing them down. So we've been talking about all these things and how to overcome these things and how to change them. And so today I want to talk about going on the offense. We've been talking about defense a little bit. I want to talk about offense today. And I know some of you are saying, well, defense wins championships. You're absolutely right. But offense is going to help us win our brains, right? It's going to help us win the war in our minds. And so one of the things we have to do, if we want to be spiritually healthy, emotionally healthy, we have to rest. And guys, I know some of you have kids. I understand we have kids in high school. And schedules are insane. I know our kids, they'll go to school at 7 in the morning for band, and they won't get home till 7 at night after football practice or cross-country practice or whatever. I know it, it's hard. Schedules are insane. And they have homework, and they have church things and all this stuff. But we have to make time to rest. And it's important because when we get tired, we are more susceptible. When we get tired, we're more irritable. Some of us wake up grumpy and we are grumpy the rest of the day because we're still tired, right? You ever heard that joke? Sometimes I wake up grumpy, other times I let them sleep, right? So we've all had that. And so when we get tired and we get fatigued and we don't rest, we tend to overreact to things. And so I want to talk a little bit about rest. So what are some of the symptoms of what I'm going to call spiritual fatigue? Spiritual fatigue is when we're tired and we're run down and we haven't spent time in God's presence and we just get worn out. Spiritual fatigue. Well, the first one is we feel like we're unable to disconnect. We're unable to disconnect. And guys, in today's culture, it is so hard to disconnect. You know, in the old days, the 90s, right, when you worked, you worked in the office, right? Now, where can you work? Everywhere. Because we all have email on our phones, right? If you work in a modern employer, you have Slack and all these different things. Our phones never stop dinging. They've actually come out with Do Not Disturb. Apple just came out this year with this thing called, um, I don't remember what it's called, but it's basically mode. You can put your phone in this mode in the evening and you won't get work emails until the next day. Focus mode is what they call it. You can have it at work where you don't get personal things while you're at work because everything is blended. You know, you used to have to go to your computer to check email. Now your boss can get a hold of you 24-7 if they want to. I know Amy and I, before we... Moved to Colorado, we had interviewed with a pastor to be youth pastors in a church in Tennessee. And they said, we're going to pay for your cell phone, but you were expected to answer it 24-7. pastor's like, if I call, you will answer. <laughs> he said, yeah, I don't think this is for us. Uh, because he said, you know, you're, you're on the job 24-7. It's hard. And guys, there's this new phobia now that younger people are suffering from. It's FOMO, fear of missing out. And it's an actual phobia that doctors are helping kids with, and it's fear of missing something. Our young people are so wired, so connected, that they're afraid if they don't have Snapchat, well, Facebook, you know, young kids don't use Facebook anymore, but Snapchat and Instagram, all these things, they're afraid they're going to miss something. 
Guys, listen to this. Studies show that 66 people, 66% of people have extreme anxiety if they lose connection or if their cell phone battery dies or if their phone doesn't get a signal or they leave their phone at home. 66% of people have extreme anxiety if their phone is not connected. How many of you grew up without a cell phone? Yeah. I didn't get one until I was in college because my roommate and my wife's roommate were dating and we could never get phone calls, so I had to get a cell phone because they were on the phone all the time. If you're 18 to 24 years old, that anxiety number jumps to 76%. Three-fourths of teenagers today and young adults have extreme anxiety if their phone is not with them. 58% of people check their phone every hour they're awake. 59% check email as soon as it dings. 89% check their work email every day while they're on vacation. 80% of people sleep with their phone. 84% said they couldn't go one day without a cell phone. Guys, we live in a culture where we can't disconnect. And guys, it's important. If we're going to rest, we have to be able to disconnect sometimes. Right? We have to be able to get away from work, away from social media, away from those things, and spend time in this weird thing called silence. How, <laughs> how are we going to spend time with God if we can't disconnect from other stuff? It's important to be able to disconnect. Sometimes we feel unable to rest. How many of you feel lazy if you sit on the couch? My wife can't watch a movie without laundry or a calendar or something in front of her. And then she's like, what just happened? Because <laughs> like, if she does it, she falls asleep. That's because she's overworked. So it's, it's hard to disconnect, and we feel like we can't rest. We feel overwhelmed. Sometimes there's so much stuff to do at work that we can't disconnect when we come home at night. I know I used to work at a prison. I was a prison guard when we were pastoring a church. And they would tell us, when you leave the gate, you have to leave work here. And so we had this, it was called the Sally Port. You went out one gate and you got locked inside until the one locked and then the other would unlock so inmates couldn't follow you out. And so we had to have this. And so they said, when you're in that port, you're supposed to physically like leave work behind. You can't take it home with you because it'll kill you. It'll eat you alive. And some of you feel the same way about your jobs. You can't leave it at work. Some of you feel that way about school. You can't get rid of it. You, it doesn't come off. And even more than that, social obligations sometimes. We feel like we're just, ah, we can't. We're overwhelmed. We're edgy. We're short. We can't figure it out. And there's this new thing. It's called a low-grade frustration. We can't rest, so we're just constantly frustrated. You ever felt that way? A lot of us have. You, just, you can't disconnect. You, can't, you feel like you can't rest. And then we feel disconnected from God. It's because we, can't, we don't make a habit of spending time with him because we're so stressed about other stuff that our God priority kind of comes down, right? And if we're not spending time with God, we feel disconnected from him. And listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11. Verse 28 and 29, he said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you. That's his teaching. And let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Guys, Jesus is the one who can give us rest, but a lot of times he's the last one on our list. Because there's so much other stuff occupying our brains 
And we've all done it. We've all got to the end of the day and said, wow, I didn't, I didn't read the Word today. I didn't spend time praying today because I've been running since I got up. So this is the symptoms. And if so if you're feeling some of these things, you are probably spiritually fatigued. So what's dangerous about that? What is so dangerous about spiritual fatigue? Well, here's the deal, guys. We are more susceptible to temptation when we're tired. Satan knows when you're tired and you're worn out, he can get to you a lot easier than when you're rested. And we've all felt this. <laughs> we've all had days where we wake up and we got to bed late and we had to get up early and you, you know, you're kind of have that fog in your brain. And what happens when you have to make decisions? They're not as good, right? Guys, there are marriages that have suffered because they were both just tired. There are people who have made decisions that they would have never made otherwise, but because they were tired and because they were worn out, they made a poor choice that has lifelong consequences. I can tell you when I was a prison guard, I don't think I ever talked to an inmate that said, yeah, I was planning to be in prison. I like it here. Right? None of them did that. It was all what? I made a bad decision, and now I'm here. Or I made a line of bad decisions, and now I'm here. But that often starts when we're tired, when we're not making good choices. We don't spend time in God's presence. Things that we can normally avoid seem insurmountable. When we're not resting, we're not spending time in God's presence, things that we could normally avoid or we would not even think about doing happen because we're not making good choices. How many of you have ever ended up in a situation and said, how in the world did I get here? Well, it's bad decision, bad decision, bad decision. And a lot of times those decisions are helped along because we're tired. We can also have a skewed perspective. When we're tired, our perspective is not where it's supposed to be. And, and we talked about this passage a couple weeks ago. But in 1 Kings chapter 19, there's this incredible story about this prophet named Elijah. And there was a, a wicked king in power, and he had a wicked queen that was with him. And they had turned the country away from worshiping God to worshiping this idol named Baal. And so God said, Elijah, I want you to go have a showdown with these guys. And so Elijah calls all these prophets up to a mountaintop, and the king is there. He said, all right, we're going we're gonna to see who's really God here. And so he said, I want you to build a pyramid and light a fire and uh, put some cattle on it and call on your God, Baal, and see if he'll send fire from heaven. And then I'll do the same thing. And the one who answers by fire is the real God. So these guys throw their cattle on here, and they call, and they yell, and they cut themselves, and they dance, and Elijah makes fun of them, and, and nothing happens. So then Elijah builds his fire, and he dumps water all over it, puts cattle on there, and God sends fire, burns it all up. He has this incredible victory. They kill all these false prophets. He is on top of the world. And then he gets this little message from the queen, and she says, I'm going to kill you. In short words, I'm going to kill you. So when he gets this, Elijah takes off, and it says in verse 3, Elijah was afraid, and he fled for his life. What? He just stood down 400 false prophets, and one letter from a queen sends him over the edge. And said, he's afraid, and he runs for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah. So he goes hundreds of miles away. And this isn't where he can hop in a car and go. I mean, he was walking and riding. This is a long way. A town in Judah, he left the country, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. So he went to another country to get away from her. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might, what? Die. 
Take my life, Lord, for I am no better than my ancestors. He said, I've had enough. Then he lay down and he slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones in a jar of water. So he ate and drank, lay down again. Then the angel Lord came and again touched him and said, get up and eat some more for the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank and then food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night and the Lord said, what are you doing here? <laughs> so Elijah is tired. He's worn out from a spiritual battle. And what happened to his perspective? He got totally thrown off. He gets a threat that normally would be not a big deal because, hey, God's on my side. But because he's tired, because he's worn out, he freaks out. And guys, our emotions tend to do this. I don't know if you've noticed. But if you have a high, if you have a really great day, what's probably going to happen the next day? You're going to feel horrible, right? Because emotions do this. If you've been on a persistent high, you've had a great week, a great month, be careful because coming is going to be an equal and opposite low. We have to be prepared for that. How many people quit their jobs on Monday? (laughs) How many quit their jobs on Friday? I've had a horrible week, I'm done, right? Pastors normally resign on Monday. They had a bad Sunday and they're tired and they're worn out and they quit. It's emotions. Do this thing. Elijah was way up here. Spiritually, physically, emotionally. Then he's way down here. Because he's down here, what happened to his perspective? It got skewed. It was off. Guys, when we're tired, when we're worn out, we don't make great decisions because we don't have proper perspective. And guys, how many people have walked away from God because they said, I'm tired, I'm worn out, I don't feel God. You ever hear that? I don't feel God. God's not answering my prayers. Well, if you look back, he's done it multiple, multiple times. But Why? They're tired, they're worn out, they're frustrated, they're angry, their perspective is not where it is. So what was the solution? God said, rest, take a nap, eat something, take another nap, eat some more. That sounds awesome, right? You need to rest. And then he says, come to meet me at the Mount Sinai where God gave the Ten Commandments. This was the mountain of God, and he spent time in God's presence. To get past this, he ate He took a nap, and he spent time with God. That sounds like a perfect day to me, (laughs) right? That little football in there, you got it, right? So his perspective was off. He said, I'm the only one left. Well, actually, there were 7,000 others who worshiped the Lord. I'm no better than my ancestors. Well, that wasn't true. Please kill me now. (laughs) You ever prayed that? (laughs) Yeah. And so we start sounding like that. And guys, when we're tired, when we're worn out, when we haven't spent time with God, those strongholds, Those lies that are in our brains, they speak louder and louder and louder. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares for me. You're no better than your ancestors. You're no better than your parents. You're no better than. Those things get louder and louder as we get tired. So we have to understand. And then we can easily become pessimistic. When you're tired, when you're worn out, it's so easy to become a pessimist. Well, this is awful. Well, that's terrible. That's not right. Right? It's easy to become that when we're tired, when we're worn out. And it's so easy to frame our thoughts. Remember, we talked about framing positive, looking at the positive instead of always looking at the negative. But when you're tired, when I'm tired, when I'm frustrated, it's so easy to look at the what? Negative. And all I see. And guys, if I'm looking for negative, guess what I'm going to see? Negative. But if I'm looking for the good in life, if I'm looking for God's work, I'm going to see it. 
But when we're tired and we're worn out and we haven't spent time in God's presence and we're frazzled and we haven't rested, it's easy to look for the negative. So what do we do? How do we deal with this? How do we deal with this fatigue? Well, let's look at what God did with Elijah. We learn the discipline of being still. And I know for some of you guys, this is terrifying (laughs) because we don't like silence. Because what happens in the silence? We start to think, right? We start to think. So we need to learn this discipline of being silent. And this is an active discipline because it doesn't come naturally. Psalm 46 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. Then later on in verse 10, he says, Be still and know that I am God. He says, God is there to help you, but you've got to be still. We have to learn to sit in God's presence and listen. He's our refuge, the one we can run to. Psalm 131, verses 2 and 3 says, I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for his mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord now and always. We have to calm and quiet ourselves. It was an act of quieting. This is what Elijah did. He went to the mountain and he just listened. And we, we've heard the story a billion times where, you know, God was, he sent fire and he wasn't in the fire and the wind. He wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the earthquake. But then he came as a still, quiet voice. We have to, and guys, I can't tell how many people tell me, well, I've never heard God speak before. I say, well, have you listened? What? They expect a billboard, you know, or, and we, we do that. Well, God, I want you to speak to me, but I'll never stop talking so you can speak, right? We have to learn to be quiet and listen and be still in his presence. We have to set a time, set aside time to be still in his presence because it's not just going to happen, especially with our schedules. I've seen some of your calendars. It's insane. So we have to set aside time to be in God's presence. It doesn't just happen. Maybe you need to get up five minutes earlier in the morning or 10 minutes earlier or stay up 10 minutes later at night or set aside time on your lunch break. I know some of you told me you spend time with God on your lunch break. Go to your car and sit. Find some quiet time. When the kids leave the classroom, take a few minutes and quiet. So we have to set aside time. And we have to put our phones on silent. I can't tell you how many times I've been doing my devotions on the version, and I get a notification. I'm like, oh, look. And I click it, right? And it takes you down a rabbit trail. So set aside time to be in God's presence. Turn off the notifications. Turn off the TV. Just be with them. And then we have to learn the discipline of actively planning time for God and family. We have to actively plan time with God. Like I'm saying, set aside that time for God and for your family. How many of you know kids grow up really quick? If we want to teach them to follow Jesus, we have to set aside time to be with them to teach them those things right? It doesn't just happen. We have to actively spend time, actively plan it, actively do that, be with them, set aside time. (laughs) There's this story about a a businessman, and he got on an airplane, and this lady sat next to him. She was dressed really elegantly, and she had this humongous ring on her finger, and said, wow, that is an incredible ring. And she said, this is the Masterson diamond. She said, it's beautiful, but there's a really horrible curse that goes with it. I said, well, what's the curse? She said, my husband. <laughs> so we have to, if we want our marriages to be good, if we want our families to be in a good place with the Lord, we have to 
plan that. Because guys, with our schedules nowadays, it's not going to just happen. We have to set aside time to be with God, to be with our family, to rest. And so many of us, we live in reactive mode. And so we have to be proactive. If we want to get out of this fatigue, we have to spend time. And so we can make some plans. And it doesn't have to be a huge thing. It can just mean we're going to eat dinner together three nights a week. We're going to turn off the TV. We're just going to talk. And the first few times it's going to be weird because you're just going to be like, what do I do now? <laughs> but we have to do that. We have to get in that spot. Some of us need to take breaks from social media. Some of us need to take breaks from, you know, I get home, I'm not going to read work email until the next day. Or I'm going to set a time this time that I respond to those things. And take some rest. Guys, we have to take days off. I know it's hard. Some of you work on Sundays. I understand that. But you have to take a Sabbath. It doesn't have to necessarily be on Sunday, but you have to have one day that you rest. Because if not, we're going to go 100 miles an hour until we burn up, right? And then we're no good to anyone. And every time we say yes to one thing, we're saying no to something else. So we have to be active and, and find time to rest. I know some of you call me on Fridays and you probably get frustrated because I don't answer, but that's my Sabbath day. That's the day I set aside and I listen to voicemail. If it's an emergency, I'll call you back. But otherwise, I, I set that time aside so that I can rest, so I don't get worn out. So you guys, you have to do this. And so and we also have to have a plan of rejuvenation because some of us are so worn out because of years of going without a rest. It's going to take time to build that back up. It's going to take time to get back to that point. So have a time, a time budget. And we have to learn to let, to keep stress and fatigue from dominating our lives. Guys, part of this connectivity issue that we're having is we constantly compare ourselves to others. And that's where some of these strongholds come in. Well, you're not as good as this person. You're not as, and it's because we're comparing our normal life to their highlights, right? So we have to learn how to, to disconnect. And we're in charge of our calendars. So we have to calendar those things. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And I know some of you might be here and you say, you know, <laughs> I'm realizing that I'm at that point of fatigue. I'm at this point where I haven't been spending time with God's friends. I haven't been resting. And I, I'm worn out and I'm making poor decisions. And I, I want to get better at this. I want to fix this thing. Well, that comes through being intentional. 